Radical episode 129. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me tonight. Uh, I have been all over the place, and I will get you guys a makeup show because I only did one last week. Oh, uh, man. And I'll tell you what, Jake Green, uh, the uh, the man who is doing uh, this uh, documentary about this run for governor and everything else here, uh, went up with me to Michigan. Uh, he said after I only did one show last week, well, oh, there goes half your audience and uh, kind of made me smile. I was like, you're a bastard. But um, first and foremost, administratively, uh, thank you guys for all the reviews, all the uh, patrons, the outpouring of support, the letters. I mean, it is... It's a lot to digest. It is I, I is getting increasingly, it, it's impossible. I'll just say that it's impossible for me to keep up. So I appreciate your patience. I'm not ignoring, uh, you know, I'm not trying to ignore anybody. Uh, if you feel like you are ignored, I definitely, it's, it's a good problem that I am developing. And so um, I'm probably going to be getting a, a manager for some things here very soon, thanks to you guys. Um, and that's going to, I think, increase this uh, this ability to, to touch people with the idea and the, the principles of liberty and peace and consent, everything, everything that we're about. But I want to get into the administrative uh, reviews real quick. I, you guys, I ask you to write them. I'll, I tell you I'll read them here, and I appreciate it. Um, this was from uh, Nickname Already Taken, five stars, new to the party. Heard Shane the other day on Dave Smith's podcast, who I discovered on Rogan. After listening to libertarians speak, I figure that this is where I belong. I'm also a veteran that had some serious doubts about my service, where after the fact, I figured it out I was protecting corporate interest. We need more voices like Shane's to protect our liberties, and the Republicans and Democrats are only in it to preserve their power. I agree with you. Absolutely awesome. Thank you very much for writing that. Um, another one, Radical, from Top Fan, former Crayon Eater, Window Liquor, breaking it down. Keep up the great work. Uh, this from uh, my buddy Eric Sawyer. Thank you. Um, bold principle messaging. Shane is reaching the remnant. Keep it up. Uh, I th that's that's all of them. Uh, and I really, guys, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, this is the type of stuff that bumps us up in the algorithms. And if we can get bumped up, we can reach more. And they can't suppress us uh, all, right? And so the more people we're reaching, the better. The more people we've got talking, the better. And a lot of what I'll be talking about tonight is even just that. Um, but first, I went up to the Michigan Libertarian Convention this weekend. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of you, all, all the great libertarians in Michigan. This was this was a really like I don't think people realize how cool a trip it is to be invited back to your home state for your first uh, out of state speaking uh, event, and I. Like I'm a kid about this kind of stuff. I, I geek out about some some of the things that are coincidences in, in what's happening right now. Um, it's weird to me that you know this was the first place I was asked to come and speak. It was being shuffled around before we ever even knew where it was going to be. Um, time and, and space, obviously, because Michigan was uh, so locked down for so long. Uh, I mean, they just got back to not mandatory mask uh, last week. And so to be asked to come back there to the town where my first house was, 
was super cool. Mount Pleasant, uh, right there at Shepherd Road. It's like two miles away from where we had the convention center. Um, so to to be there, to it, it kind of felt it felt good. It felt like you know, wow, you know, forty one years later, started right here, and now we're we're, we're speaking and pouring freedom and liberty you know, not only into Georgia, but all across this nation and around the world. I I was looking at the the statistics the other day and seeing all the places where this show has been now, thanks to you guys. Oh man, I am, I am absolutely, I mean, just humbled to be where where we are in this space right now with everybody who's talking about liberty amazing so thank you guys and and you're i mean just this is the audience that can take it that works their ass off and maybe i'm saying that outside you know my brain for the first time is i think why this is spreading is because we have a ton of people who are used to not only working for themselves but working for other people at the same time to try to make ends meet and then try to shoot even well beyond that to to make yourself freer from the system as 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 much as you can and to now be turning that into this movement maybe this is you know this audience and the meecocks and and the libertarians out there you know and the guys who are coming in from the both the the republicans and the democrats like I think you guys are the people that work harder than anybody else out there, and you haven't had anybody come out and do it, and we haven't had you know time to do these kind of things. And now it's like, well, they killed a bunch of jobs, they killed a, an economy, and they lied to everybody about COVID. So let's go, damn, do something about it. And to have that directed here, man, how cool is it to be part of this? So. Anyway, I got up there uh, Saturday. Um, Jake, who I'll just call, you know, my new my new buddy. Uh, he's uh, he's traveling with me to uh, to the conventions and do speeches and a few th- things around to get footage of this uh, documentary. And had a lot of fun, kind of just like talking and saying, "Hey, man, this is where my mom and my my grandparents lived over in Midland, Michigan." And then you know, driving out, just kind of talking about things and 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 reminiscing along the way to kind of let him know like how much this place means to me um it was great got to the got to uh, the the convention they had already concluded business we got delayed in uh detroit so you know i miss my my favorite part of the convention all the, the nonsense bylaws and oh, robert's rules and stuff i'm gonna have to learn here but um at any rate it was it was cool uh that night uh larry sharp emceed uh and justin amash keynoted and uh, Spike Cohen was there as well, and we had a room just full of the most diverse crowd. You could like get this cross section. You know, we walked in, and I looked at Jake, and he's like, "Wow!" And I was like, "Dude, look at this! Oh, look at how amazing this room looks right now." We had the Boogaloo table of the Redacted Caucus. We had people in suits. We had people in dresses. We had people in you know shorts. In you know, and and just plain old street clothes, and I I love that that's what it is. And it was it was cool to see, and then to start feeling this, you know, this Philadelphia in the room, right? Like there was just a little bit of disruption, I guess, at the uh, 
at the party convention. Uh, and then, you know, it got squashed real quick and everybody got along. Um, Mises caucus did great up there and they elected a chair who that they're excited to work with. Like he's not a Meacock guy, but that's the thing is like, we've done that here in Georgia. We've done that, you know, in several places where, you know, the local, the locality there is like, Oh, you know what? He's not Mises, but Hey, he works. He's, he's damn good enough. So, uh, Larry gets up and says some things that I thought were absolutely, uh, brilliant and, and spoke to me, uh, at the time. And then you'll see, I really didn't apply it later. Um, and, and you, and I'll get to that piece of it, but, um, he gets up there and he starts talking about, you know, becoming a Marine or something like that. And he, he singles me out a little bit and he said, you know, how long did it take you to become uh, a Marine Shane? And I just yelled out, said, Larry, you know, Marines can't count. And so it, it got a good laugh and we had some fun with it. But then, um, anyway, he, he goes into talking about in, in the Marine Corps, when you be, you know, when you become a Marine is, you know, three months after the fact that you absolutely, you know, went in through Paris Island or San Diego, stood on the footsteps and started the process of training and, and being brainwashed by the murder cult. Right. So, um, you know, day one, you know, he makes this analogy that when people come into the Marine Corps, they're, they're recruits, right. They're, they're civilians. They're not Marines. Um, and the analogy to, you know, when people come to the libertarian party, a lot of times, they're not libertarians, right? There are no, don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of libertarians out there. People call them little L's that are, um, the, I don't know, uh, you know, not really active within the party, right? So they, they, they vote that way, but they don't, they don't get into activism. So there's those people that come in, but there's people that come in from, you know, uh, very ambivalent places and people that come in from the Democrats and the, and the Republicans and even some, you know, independents out there. So when that happens and they come in, they're not libertarians. They're starting maybe down a journey that feels good and that sounds better than what they've been, you know, lied to uh, about by, you know, the, the different parties of the murder cult. And it, it did, it, you know, it made an impact in my brain so much so um, that I couldn't apply it later in a weird situation um, that I came across with uh, Justin Amash. So anyway, uh, Larry had some some great comments and some in uh, a great speech. And then Justin got up, um, did well, you know, maybe maybe a little D.C. And, and Justin, I'm not doing this to um, to to hurt you, man. Like this is you know, this is what I see in terms of, you know, how the room reacted. And I want, I want people who are big voices in this movement to do well, but there are some things that we have to understand, um, about some of the big voices that have come in, right? Like, like I just said, Larry had made this, um, comment early on about, you know, becoming a libertarian. So, I mean, for me, it took me a long time. Um, you know, it was, you know, from 2004, you know, and you go down this progression. A lot of times I think it is, you know, you leave whatever party you were part of, um, you find a niche topic that somebody may have introduced to you, something you're very, uh, you know, all, already almost kind of perceptive of. And at that point, you know, you start to read, you start to go into YouTube, you start to see, you know, is this true? 
you know, this piece of knowledge that I've been told, you know, I've heard it's conspiracy or whatever it is. And it comes from these crazy libertarians. And so you start to uncover a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. And, you know, over the years, you find out you didn't know, you know, a thing here and a thing there. And depending on how fast you can read or listen or watch um, or engage and think critically about things, the the faster you are on your way to, you know, this realizing that maybe the Constitution um, was not the end all be all document that we were told the, you know, the United States you know, as, as perceived around the world is not in good standing. We've, you know, with, with war and, you know, economic, you know, terrorism and, and things like that. It's like, you start to, you start to see these things depending on what subject it is, whether it's criminal justice reform, whether it's the war on drugs, whether it's, um, you know, just going after peaceful people for nonviolent crimes and destroying neighborhoods. Like you kind of just, over a course of a time, you just build up this real understanding of real history that has been completely omitted by the schools, by the propaganda machines, by the, you know, the corporate, you know, the, the corporatists that are out there and the government itself. They don't want anybody, you know, talking about their, their mistakes and, you know, not only alone, but together. So in, during the night, um, I had the opportunity to speak with a ton of people and just went round and round and round. And, and finally, um, Dr. Eric Larson, who is a good friend of Justin Amash's comes over and we've been talking, uh, he was actually the first guy I ran into and he's a super good guy. I mean, just really nice. Um, he's super smart. He, he runs his own, uh, podcast called paradox. If you're, if you're looking for another podcast to put in the stack, but, um, I'd had him on the rebellion and just so happens first guy I talked to. So that night, you know, time gets going on and it's, it's getting later and he's like, why don't you come uh, talk to Justin? And so, you know, I finally said, Hey, yeah, you know, I got, I got some free time here finally. So let's, let's go talk. And so I went in and we started off, you know, a fine conversation. Um, but then we got into, uh, you know, kind of messaging and that's, you know, it's a lot of what this, uh, this convention talked about was messaging, especially after the last, you know, week or so with, uh, with the New Hampshire, you know, debacle that we had, you know, this is, this is kind of just, you know, how this kind of came up and messaging, you know, I started talking about being a, uh, post-constitutional Republic and, you know, with Justin and Justin disagreed with me and, um, the, audio and video that I have for you is, is, is not great. And I apologize, you know, it's a very loud place. Uh, Jake was filming and, and I was mic'd, and, you know, he's, he's doing all of this. So at any rate, uh, we have this conversation as we're getting into it. And, and, and Justin tells me that, you know, we're, we're not a post-constitutional Republican, you know, listen, I am fine with disagreements, but you know, if we're going to have disagreements, let's, let's have a fun debate too. So, and, and if you guys haven't noticed, like, this is my favorite thing to do is just go out and talk to people and have fun. And, you know, if somebody wants to get into constitutionality and the Federalists and the anti-Federalists and that history, like, okay, like, I, yes, let's, let's have those conversations. Um, and I think they're very powerful conversations. So with that being said, I'm going to play this video. Uh, at first, there won't be um, any video. You'll just hear some audio, and I'll try to you know, ad adjust it as much as I can here because uh, it's not great. But um, 
this all opens up with me kind of, you know, going through the Bill of Rights and, you know, telling Justin, well, you know, we're obviously post-constitutional because we don't have the right to assemble. We don't have the right of free speech. We don't have the right of you know, all of these things. Um, and, and I just kind of progressed down the list. And that's where you kind of pick this up. So um, without further ado, I'm going to let you listen to a good bit of this. And then I'm just going to come back and talk about it. Civil, Civil asset forfeiture is a thing. They've justified. I know, but what I'm saying is that there's like in terms of rights, it's all been wiped out. We haven't declared war since the 1940s. Yeah, we've had an active war declared in Iraq since 2003. That's no, not a war. that's not a war. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't do an AUMF and say this is constitutional because. I don't think there's any. For practical purposes, I don't think the difference between AUMF and, and war is like all that relevant. Like the the point of the point of, uh, the, the point a, of, AUMF is not. It's a war. No, it's not. Yeah. How do you change the constitution? The fact that it uses and Article word, Five is the only way to change the constitution. No, so if, if Congress has power law, to declare war declare through what war, Article One, Section Eight, Clause Eleven. Read the Anti-Federalist Papers. Unfortunately, Anti-Federalist Papers didn't win. So you can read the But they, they were prophetic. And they the said this they, they said this would happen. Read, read the Constitutional Convention. The idea that, I have. The idea that the word, like the, the, the phrase declaration of war is not like really all that relevant. What, all the, they, what they cared about was who was going to commence the like the actions, the hostilities, and who who's going to pay to, for it? Who's who going gets, to fight who it? This, who gets to commence the hostilities? But it was it was it Congress, was given to Congress to declare <laughs> because if they were going to take us from a peace footing <laughs> to a war footing, it had to be declared. the states. That's the old fashioned. We don't do that anymore. It's all mercenary. Why is an AUMF, we want something done? We we'll just hire a bunch of guys. Not a declaration. It's not a declaration Why? of war. Sure it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Did, did Everyone it, understands how, how is a declaration passed. of war not passed by Congress? AUMF is passed by Congress. Yeah, but it's not a declaration of war. But you're just, but it's like a semantic the war powers act. Like but, okay, so thing. from a Marine yeah, who got sent over yes. and watched dudes die, I'm going to tell you right now, it makes a difference because a declaration of war has an end state. It has a mission complete, and the AUMF doesn't have anything like that. That's because Congress gave up their They did. Responsibility. When you pass an AUMF, everyone understands, everyone in Congress understands they're authorizing war. That's what they understand. Congress yes. is a bunch of thieves and murderers are, that work so for the murder cult. That's what, like, so what? So what? So, what? so we can commit we can commit blood and treasure and go from a peace footing without that, a end state? All I'm telling you is that they are authorizing war. They're doing They're precisely not, they, what underhandedly, on the fly, without anybody really knowing. You can't take a, a nation with a constitution, per Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, I think, from a peace footing to a war footing without a mission and an end state. And there's none of that Actually, in the U.S. Are there police actions? I don't know. So, ladies and gents, uh, you heard a little bit of back and forth between myself and Justin. Now, before I get into this, and I'm sure that piece of audio is going to absolutely drive some of you bonkers. Yeah, I mean, it drove me bonkers. I, I was, 
I was right there, and, and what, what you heard at the very end was Larry Sharp, you know, interjecting and, and kind of coming in to, to cool everything off just a tad. So the, the idea that, you know, Justin thinks that the AUMF is equivalent to a declaration of war uh, is something that I obviously very, very much disagree with. Um, and I disagree with it for a number of reasons. So I wanted to kind of get into this first, okay? The the understanding that the AUMF is an um, is is a declaration. It's not a declaration of war, um, and the AUMF doesn't even really cite the Constitution. It cites uh, the I don't know what is this uh, section five uh, B of the War Powers Resolution. So first and foremost, the 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 Constitution lays out in Article 1, Section 8, Clause uh, 11, uh, the power to declare war and grant letters of marquee and reprisal and make rules concerning the captures on land and water. That's Clause 11. So they have the power to declare war. Okay. Now, what's what you have to under, also understand is they, you know, they obviously wrote this in, in a way that would make sense. So after you declare war, it tells you that in Clause 12, to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money to the use shall be for longer than a term of two years. Why is that? It's because the Congress is reelected every two years. So the, the longest you can ever have a budget is two years. So when they they put this together to raise and support armies, well, how do you raise and support armies? The appropriation of money to raise and support armies. That's only supposed to last a maximum of two years. That way, when people campaign for the next election, what are they campaigning on? Are they campaigning on probably our most important issue of our day? I think absolutely. So if we've got a growing sentiment in this country that we need to end the wars and these people, and you'll see in a second, aren't taking a vote in Congress every two years, whether to appropriate funds for a standing army to raise and support them, to send them off you know, for the forever wars. Do you think that's kind of important? Because I, I really do. I think this is extremely important. The problem with the AUMF and the fact that you know, Justin believes that it is a declaration of war is that it's never ending. The, dec the AUMF doesn't have a sunset clause written into it. The, a the AUMF of 2000. So we have two. We had one for 2001. We had one for 2002. First, obviously, being... Um, Afghanistan and the second one being Iraq. And so does it kind of look like a, a declaration of war? Yeah, it kind of looks like one, kind of smells like one, only it is open-ended. It's way worse. And when you know you read through what it says to authorize the use of the United States armed forces against those responsible for recent attacks launched against the United States, and they go through the whereases, uh, you know, treacherous, treacherous violence was committed against the United States. Man, like all of this, great, and then they cite this, you know, the the, the authorization uh, through the War Powers, which is also not an Article Five Amendment to the Constitution. The 
Article 5 is the only way you can change the Constitution. And this rewrites that. The AUMF is just like that little, that little like legal trick, that skirt where they don't think most people will ever pay attention. But when a, you know, when you, when budgets and things can continue with continuing resolutions and NDAAs and all this other crap, this is where it gets to the point where it's not constitutional. It's because if a person was saying, let's declare war every two years, not every whenever, right? It's every two years. It's, it's not indefinite. And that's what this has become. This has become indefinite. And what do they do? What has it done? And here's the thing is, I know Justin is pretty anti-war, right? And I want, I hope if he ever sees this or you guys ever bring it to his attention, I think this might help him down the road. I didn't realize at the time when I was having the conversation, kind of the space I was in with my understanding of the constitution and the anti-federalists and the federalists and, and everything that I've done in terms of studying history and the constitution and the articles of confederation. Right. So when I'm trying to sell, you know, a former U S congressman on the fact that we're a post-constitutional Republic, you know, this wasn't even easy for him to hear. Now for a lot of you guys that are anarchists, you're like, yeah, we're we're definitely a, a post-constitutional United States. They don't do anything by the Constitution anymore. And if they if they act like they do, it's because they've used some tiny legal maneuver around it like this. That they're like, that's cool. Don't worry about it. That doesn't change too much, right? And so Justin, like Larry said, I don't think is a libertarian in the term that I am. And this isn't a purity test. It isn't like it's, it's just, I think I'm an anarchist, plain and simple. I don't think anybody has a claim on anybody else ever. You don't have to sign contracts. You should be free. That's it. Now, and if you have a problem with that, we're just going to damn disagree. That's, that's fine. I think Justin is new to libertarianism, and it took a long time for me to just not care, to really like... I had to kind of care in my first campaign as a Republican in 2018. So I understand, you know, a guy that's been there and had to do that every two years, like there's still indoctrination there. There's still this, you know, idea that you have to play by their game and you have to kind of do a, a little bit of what they do and you don't. It's I'm not saying he has to. To, to do it my way either. And that's the thing is my way isn't right for everybody. His way isn't right for everybody. What we have and what I talked about up there in Michigan was the idea that we all needed to do something because you can't be everything to everybody. People that are everything to everybody suck, man. They are awful. You're just like, eh, nah, I'm good. But there are some people like Justin who are coming out of the Republican Party you know, saying this place isn't for me, like that he is a safe place for a lot of people to be, right? Like anarchy guy over there, Shane, that's going to take you a minute. Like you're going to have to do some research and you're going to have to do some study and you're going to really, really have to get into this kind of stuff. But as time goes on, as for me, 
right? I went from being a, a neocon to kind of a Ron Paul Republican type to, you know, learning the Constitution because of people like Ron Paul so that I could cite it whenever I was talking about anything that the government was doing and then learning that, you know, where it came from, the, the Federalist, the Constitutional Convention, all of these notes and readings, oh, long long, long arguments, you know, to, for centralizing power. Now I understand why their arguments were so long, right? And then I got to the anti-federalist and I was like, wow, these guys make really cool little short arguments and they're simple and they're amazing. And like, it's just one of those things where s- simple, simpleness is genius. And the ability for those guys to sit there and you know prophesize what was going to happen to this government 240 plus years ago you're just like why why are we even still i mean look read take the path to get to the anti-federalist but if you just skip you know right now in time if you haven't read the the federal save yourself some time go read the anti-federalist and see if they're right right like i think i'm on number like 35 uh, in, in my podcast. So, you know, if you want to catch up with me on the first 35, they're there for you. But this is what I'm saying is people who are coming into libertarianism, like Larry said, need help, right? Like, and at the time I might've been a little harsh. Um, and, and, you know, Larry, thanks for stepping in, man. Like you're just, you're awesome. Um, but, you know, I didn't realize what was happening. I thought because, you know, Justin's a professional, man. He's he's a professional politician. He has done things and he's a professional, I think, in life. Um, I think what was happening is I thought I was punching up. You know, I really did. I think Justin is an incredibly smart guy that I have talked about for a long, long time. In, in fact, when... I first ran, I think I was on, I don't know, some like Newsmax, you know, podcast at the time uh, when it was, you know, it's a very, very, very right wing um, show. And uh, Vandersteel, I think, was talking to me and they brought on some other guy out of D.C. You know, it was like, you're going to support, you know, as a you know Marine combat vet, you're going to support Trump's foreign policy. And I was like. Uh, yeah, if uh, if he starts removing people and only goes to war with a declaration of war, yeah, uh, yeah, I, that's what I'd say. I'd I'd support. I'm not going to just tell you I'm going to support his foreign policy. Um, and they're like, whoa, what, what, what? You know, just taken back. And you're like, well, hey, man, here's the deal. And you know, you start talking about it, and then you start naming off guys that you know, Thomas Massey and Justin Amash. And as soon as Justin Amash's name left my lips, you know, those guys were like, oh, fuck that guy, right? Like, no way he's ever getting elected as a Republican who's not pro whatever the commander in chief wants to go do in the world and, and bombing other countries into oblivion after, at that time, what, 18 fucking years? No, I'm, I'm not about that. And they were like, dude, sorry. And at that point, I started getting the cold shoulder from the Republican Party because I wasn't a Trumper. I was like, holy shit. Just for mentioning Justin. So I'll tell you, you know, I've noticed Justin for a long time. I've looked up to Justin for a long time. And I think, you know, overall, he's a really good dude. Super smart. I mean, he, I, I really like, had him, you know, 
on a pedestal, I think. And I didn't realize as an anarchist, I think, you know, probably pretty well studied uh, anarchist. I wasn't, you know, as welcoming as I could have been um, in that moment. And so, you know, if Justin, uh, if I, you know, was near and dear to the subject because of some shit that I've, you know, been through and seen, um, you know, I, you know, I don't hate you by any means. And in my, my apologies, if, you know, you think, um, maybe I handled the situation wrong or whatever, but this is, this is one of those things that I am not ever going to bend on. And I don't think, you know, the AUMF has done anything but hurt this country. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe this is that moment where, you know, it's, it could be, you know, something that, you know, scratches the seed. I know I wasn't perfect on a ton of stuff as I went through, you know, things like the AUMF, which led to further wars, like the ones, and I know you've talked about them, Syria, you know, the, the, the fact that we've blockaded, you know, Yemen. So kids are dying and, and starving and the population is oh, it's just, it's dying off. It's a damn genocide. Um, you know, all over uh, parts of Africa, you know, toppling uh, Gaddafi and in Libya. I mean, Jesus, Pete, like, you know, everything that's happened since the AUMF has come out and when the when the people in Congress voted on it, I mean, a lot of the kids that are now over there were maybe born, maybe not. That's how long we've been fighting over there. And the AUMF is the piece of legislation, fiat legislation that usurped the constitution article, uh, article one, section eight, clause 11 and 12. So I am going to press you on this. I hope that, you know, it changes your mind. I really do. Uh, I hope it changes a lot of people's mind out there. The war powers act and the, the AUMF are all unconstitutional as hell. So I wanted to, I wanted to cover that, you know, just a bit. I also wanted to um, get in, you know, because of what's happened. I mean, one last thing, obviously, you know, Joe Biden is over in Israel right now, and we've just dropped some more bombs. Uh, I believe it was the Iraq-Syria border again. And it's like, Jesus Christ. And I will give Justin credit here. He actually came out and made a tweet against that, which I don't understand the two. I don't understand, unless you have already changed your mind, I don't understand, you know, how you call out the the president for dropping more bombs, but, you know, say that the AUMF is is constitutional in the least. So anyway, um, this is from Yahoo News. Joe Biden promised Israel he wouldn't allow Iran to develop nuclear weapons on his watch while warning that the U.S. commander-in-chief doesn't need congressional approval to drop more bombs in the Middle East. Oh, man. It's, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, he says, quote, what can I say to you that, that this Iran will never get a nuclear weapon on my watch, as they say, Mr. Biden said, in quotes. Like, that, like Jesus, really? This, this again, we're, we're going we're gonna to do this? And why don't we need congressional approval to to go to war with Iran? Like who? Let me tell you something. Iran is not the country that America wants to mess with. It's not. It's not Iraq. It's not Kuwait. It's not Afghanistan. Like 
Iran is not one of those places that Americans need or want or should ever think about fucking with, right? Like this is a really, really bad, bad decision. And it's the AUMF, right? The the president ordered an airstrike on the Iraq-backed militia groups on the Iraq-Syria border in the region on Monday in a second military action to bypass Congress's authority for use of military force, AUMF. The AUMF is not a declaration of war. And that is, that's not a principle that I'm ever going to depart with. Um, and I'm also not going to depart with the idea, which I think probably proves my point that we are most definitely a post-constitutional United States. So anyway, I, um, let's, let's see, I've got a, what time is it? 20 minutes. I wondered if I could do this. Anti-Federalist paper number 74. Um, I'm, why am I jumping ahead? Because this of the um, Anti-Federalist papers, let me get some more water here, um, was all about the Anti-Federalist paper uh, and the president as a military king. Weird, huh? Now, you know, what did, what did, what did the, the framers really, really take the the time to talk about and, and even the, the federalists were like, meh, I think we'll leave the power of war with the Congress, right? At least on their face, they were trying to say, you know, we can't do it. If we, if we, if we give the executive the power of war, well, I think they got us, right? I think they win the fucking argument and we're not going to get this constitution passed. And, you know, our, our grandchildren of, of wealth and means um, won't inherit our, our wealth and means. So at any rate, this is uh, the Philadelphia's, Philadelphians who was influenced by Thomas Paine in Common Sense, uh, wrote the following section. It is taken from three essays, which appearing February 6th and 20th and April 9th of 1788 in either the Freeman's Journal or the North American Intelligencer. And welcome to Radical. If, uh, if you haven't heard the Anti-Federalist Papers, I'm skipping ahead uh, to 74. But the first 35 are out there for you as well. Before martial law is declared to be supreme law of the land in your character, free citizens be changed to that of subjects of a military king, which are necessary consequences of adoption of the proposed constitution. Let me admonish you in the name of sacred liberty to make a solemn pause Permit a free man to address you and solicit your attention to a cause wherein yourselves and your posterity are concerned. The sun never shone upon a more important one. It is the cause of freedom of a whole continent, of yourselves and of your fellow men. He's he's already making fun of what this is. He's like, hey, man, before... Before we're just subjects again here in a hot second, 10 years after we declared independence, just before that, right? And was it a coup? Yeah, it was a coup. This is 
brilliant. It, it's 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 satire of their day. You know, it's it's him. You know, already having a laugh at what's happening in front of them. You know, as 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 a lot of us do with dark humor that see this kind of shit coming. It's just like it's coming. It's going to hit you right in the face. I'm gonna. I I, I, mean, I hate to say I said so, and maybe even laugh um, if it's not too bad. But like, damn guys, what the fuck else do you expect? A conspiracy against the freedom of America. A conspiracy? Shane, it's not a coup. Man, yeah, the Constitution was a conspiracy. It was a bunch of very wealthy people called the aristocratic combination that got together and said, man, these people, we, we can make tons and tons and tons of money off of them as bankers, as government, as corporate industry, as propaganda and print, and as people who educate them. Holy, and now, golly, look, look, they've taken medicine and everything else. So conspiracy against the freedom of America, both deep and dangerous, has been formed by an infernal junto of demagogues. Our 13 commonwealths are to be consolidated into one despotic monarchy. Is not this position obvious? It's evidence intuitive. Who can deny but the president general will be a king to all intents and purposes and one of the most dangerous to a king elected to common a standing army. Thus, our laws are to be administered by this tyrant for the whole or at least the most important part of the executive department is put in his hands. The most dangerous kind despotic monarchy. I think people are starting to talk like this again. It's awesome. A quorum of 65 representatives and 25 senators with a king at their head are to possess powers that extend to the lives, the liberties, and the property of every citizen of America. This novel system of government, were it possible to establish it, would be a compound of monarchy and aristocracy, the most accursed that the at that ever the world witnessed how many have i how many times have i said that this is the biggest murder cult empire that's ever existed on planet earth that we know of i don't know maybe the last one blew it all to hell and we started over at some point anyway I, i i have no idea but they weren't wrong and it doesn't matter if it's Joe Biden. It doesn't matter if it's Donald Trump or, or Barack Obama or any other. It doesn't matter. This will always happen when you centralize power in lands that are not yours. To, to give men and women that don't care about you power over your lives, rights, your time, your treasure, your liberty, your property, all these things. It's insanity. About 50 of the well-born and the military king with a standing army devoted to his will are to have uncontrolled power. Yeah. Kind of scary when now you've put on, you've been put, you know, as libertarians, the most peaceful group, you know, that's organized, the most peaceful third party that's not in power at all, that preaches peace. All the time, now you're on a watch list. 
they passed the the uh, the AUMF, which led to the NDAA, which led to indefinite detention, which led to them now putting us on list. It's it's very obvious. There is not a tincture of democracy in the proposed constitution except the nominal elections of the president general and the illustrious congress to be supposed to have some color of that nature but this is a mere deception invented to gull the people into its adoption yeah not a coup its framers were well aware that some appearances of election ought to be observed especially in regards to the first congress without such an appearance, there was not the smallest probability of their having it organized and set in operation. But let the wheels of this government be once cleverly set in motion, and I'll answer for it, that the people shall not be much troubled with future elections. Especially in choosing their king, the standing army will do the business for them. Are we about getting there? Are we about getting to the place where the murder cult is just saying, yeah, hey man, here's the here's the key to the most powerful empire ever. You think they're going to leave that up for vote? Come on. They're not leaving that up for vote. That's why they got puppets. That's why they got actors. That's why they got, you know, guys with, you know, mysterious past. Like, what the fuck? Oh, man. I'm going to contend, you know, because of all this kind of stuff, this is why I think we're a post-constitutional republic. And I think, you know, as this thing crumbles, by the time that, you know, if, if libertarians do their damn job, we're not going to have to worry about these people. We're not going to have to worry about a centralized government. We're not definitely not going to have federal elections anymore where we have to worry about running candidates at that level. Boy, it'll be really cool just to be go, you know, back to Michigan after, I don't know, some some time apart from D.C. where D.C. maybe doesn't exist anymore, at least in a, in a centralized authority role. We're like, hey, man, how's how's it going up here? You guys you guys expanding liberty even more than you had, you know, before when when we had D.C. What's working for you? What's not working with, for you? What's good in the private sector? Right. Like that's going to be a really like that's where all this is going to end up. It's going to end up back at the states. It's got to end up back at the states. And maybe even smaller than that. I don't know. The thoughts of a military officer possessing such powers as the proposed constitution vests in the president general are sufficient to excite in the mind of a free man the most alarming apprehensions and ought to rouse him to oppose it at all events. Every free man of America ought to hold up this idea to himself that he has no superior but God and the laws. But this tyrant will be so much his superior that he can at any time he thinks proper order him out in the militia to exercise and to march when and where he pleases. His officers can wantonly inflict the most disgraceful punishment on a peaceful citizen under the pretense of disobedience or the smallest neglect of a militia. We're the most incarcerated people on the earth, and we do more harm to more people than any other country on earth through our military and, you know, three-letter agency apparatuses, all right? Yeah, it's terrible. The guy's nailed it. The president general, commander-in-chief, 
who is to be our king after this government is established, is vested with powers exceeding those of the most despotic monarch we know of in modern times. What a handsome return have these men, the authors of the Constitution, made to the people of America for their confidence through the misconduct of these bold conspirators. We have lost the most glorious opportunity that any country ever had to establish a free system of government. America, under one purely democratical, would be rendered the happiest and most powerful nation in the universe. But under the proposed one composed of an elective king and a standing army officered by his sycophants, the starvelings of the Cincinnati, and an aristocratical congress of well-born iota, well-born an iota of happiness, freedom, or national strength cannot exist. What a pitiful figure will these ungrateful men make in history? Are they ungrateful? Yeah, I think they're probably a little ungrateful. Who, for the hopes of obtaining some lucrative employment or of receiving a little more homage from the rest of their fellow creatures, framed a system of oppression that must involve its consequences, the misery of their own offspring? Yeah. Time and time and time again, that's where Keynesian economics gets you. If you don't know the difference between Keynesian uh, and uh, Austrian economics, you need to go and read a lot of stuff over at the Mises Institute. It's all there for free for you, by the way. Great guys, Jeff Dice um, and, and Tho and the rest of you guys over there. Awesome guys. Some feeble attempts have been made by the advocates of the system of tyranny to answer the objections made to the smallness of the number of representatives and senators and the improper power delegated to them. But as far as I recollect, no one has been found bold enough to stand forth in the defense of that dangerous and uncontrolled officer, the president general, more properly, our new king. A few pieces under the signature of an American citizen were published immediately after the Constitution broke the shell and the Hydra made its way from the dark conclave into the open light. And the first number, the writer in touching on the president endeavored to conceal his immense powers by representing the king of Great Britain as possessed of many hereditary pejoratives, rights and powers that he was not possessed of. That is, he shows what he is not, but neglects to show what he really is. But so flimsy a palliative could scarce escape the censure of the most ignorant advocate for such an officer. And, and since then, we hear of no further attempts to prove the necessity of a king being set over the freemen of America. The writer of these essays has clearly proven that the president is a king to all intents and purposes, and at the same time, one of the most dangerous kinds too, an elective king, the commander-in-chief of a standing army, etc. And to those add that he has a negative power over the proceedings of both branches of the legislature and to complete his uncontrolled sway, he is neither restrained nor assisted by a privy council, which is a novelty in government. I challenge the politicians of the whole continent to find any period of history a monarch more absolute. Man, this is just the icing on the cake for me. Um. I want to tell you guys that, yes, 
AUMF is absolutely unconstitutional. Not only that, just the, the Constitution failed. It failed, it failed, it failed. What are we going to do about it? That's what my entire speech was about up in Michigan. I think what I might do is uh, grab the audio from that and get it for you guys and put it out for another extra show for you um, because I want you guys to see the effects that you guys can have, what I can do, where I can go, what I can say because of people like you that are supporting this show, that are spreading the, the message. And the thing is, is it takes all of you. The messaging for the, the Libertarian Party, you know, is not one. It's, it's, it's not. We are such an eclectic group of, of, of amazing people. <clears throat> and I say that because I know you guys. I've been around you. I've, I mean, and, and now thousands and thousands of you. I see it online. I see it in person. I see you know, around this country and I get around, man. Like I, I travel, especially before 2020, I travel a lot. It takes every one of us doing whatever we think we can do and maybe stretching ourselves to do even more. My messaging, you know, you guys know who I am. I'm trying to reach the remnant. I am trying to reach the savages that are studied, the warriors, the people that will defend their lives and liberty and property till the very end. And that's not everybody. It's such a small amount of people. It really is. Most people don't want to fight. A lot of people just don't have it in them. You know, it's it's one of those things where a lot of people think they'll stand and fight. And then when it comes to that, you know, they freeze, they get scared, they, they see another way out and that's okay. Like that's, that's human nature, but it also means that we have to expect that other people will message differently than us and they should message differently from us and we should encourage them, Right. I know there are some very distasteful things out there. There's some very distasteful people out there. Um, it doesn't mean that there are terrible people, especially if they're not hurting people and taking their stuff. Right? I, it, they might have a more even a more vitriol reaction than I even have to to this monster, this evil murder cult that we're up against. And maybe it's because they've had harder lives. Maybe it's because they've been more affected by these, these monsters, by this evil, than we have. Maybe it's taken somebody in their life for good. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. But I do know it doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter at all. I know that when we see people over here and over there, we're, we're trying to become this perfect party and we will never be a perfect party and to to think that republicans and democrats don't message differently to different groups of people well that's not true it's absolutely not true at all and where you know the republicans quote unquote you know the the GOPers, uh you know did it different than trump you know 
You saw you saw breaks, you saw lines, you saw things happen. That's also okay. I'm not it naturally it might work. I don't think that the libertarians you know real goal is power. I think it's the empowerment of people. And so that means when we get into quote unquote of power, job to dismantle them. It's our job to remove them systematically, like just go through, you know, and and remove them from people's lives, dissolve them so that they're not using money that's not theirs. And and you know, obviously bureaucrats um taking you know your life, liberty, and property in policy in taxes in licenses and permits that's that's what we have to be is just the people that are going to empower people to nullify uh, everything that they possibly can and decentralize the government locally so that we can reach out to our mayors to our police chiefs to our sheriffs and be like hey man we all live here i want to see you guys go home at the end of the day we want to go home at the end of the day. Can we just, can we stop? Can we just stop saying this is the law and we have to listen to it? Can we just have a rational conversation about peace for once? Can we do that? And I think the overwhelming answer is yes. This is a crowd that's going to prove it. Anyway. <clears throat> I will have another show for you guys this week. If you've stayed with me for this long, uh, I will have a third show down in Atlanta at Smith's Old Bar with Zach Deputy. He will be my guest tomorrow night on the show. We are going to talk music and some fun stuff. And at Smith's Old Bar, I am going to do a live show with a special guest, Pete Kunianos, my friend. Uh, I think it's going to be hysterical time it's going to be a fun show we're not we're not going to get heavy we're going to have a ton of fun with it um and after that zach is going to play you guys some really nice rock and roll type ditties man and it, as a looper he is awesome i can't wait for you guys to see him but at since old bar uh at nine o'clock we start on uh friday uh, July 2nd. So come on down for that. There's still, I believe there's still tickets available and uh, would love to see you guys. And, and, you know, I don't know, just interact like this in person for the first time. And if it goes well, hell, maybe we'll do some more of them. Maybe we'll start traveling and doing some this kind of stuff in the future. So uh, that would be really, really awesome as well. So at any rate, guys, I will see you uh, tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spreading the word. Thanks for everything you're doing for Liberty. Uh, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.